the uh, this will be a class. Uh, the future is now. Parenting young, younger children, and we're going to be talking a little bit about parenting from the time they're babies, uh, leading to preteen, young teens. And obviously, we're not going to be able to cover every age bracket specifically, uh, but hopefully, we'll be able to share some principles that would really uh, help you guys. So, I'm going to start off with a word of prayer, and then uh, we will uh, jump right in. I know there were people still walking in, but uh, we're, we're just going to go get started now. Uh, so let's go to God in prayer, and uh, we'll uh, jump right in. Father in heaven, we thank you so much uh, for today. We thank you, uh, Father, just for the incredible start uh, to this conference. Father, we thank you for this time that we take together, that we could uh, fellowship together, that we could learn uh, together, Father, that we could just have an incredible time. Uh, Father, we pray that you uh, really use this time in an incredible way, God, that you uh, guide our every word, that you help us uh, to uh, just be able to uh, instruct and help and inspire as many as possible. God, I pray that uh, each uh, and every parent in this room, Father, that you will grant them insight, wisdom, Father, as they seek to uh, just raise incredible kids who ultimately love you. Uh, God, we're so grateful again for this time. We're grateful for your grace and your mercy, Father, that we could... Uh, make so many mistakes, and yet, Father, that you could uh, make it all well and uh, cover for our many uh, challenges, Father. We just pray that uh, you be with us uh, today and just every day as uh, we uh, just continue to be and, and strive to be our best for you. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray all this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 And so uh, we're going to uh, uh, be sharing some things. I wanted to introduce ourselves uh, really quickly here. Uh, so my name is Johnny Rivera, and this is my beautiful wife, Glory Mai Rivera. Uh, although uh, many people can't pronounce the name right, so just go with Glory. Uh, nice and simple, not Glory Ah, but Glory. Uh, and uh, we, um, we've been uh, leading the church in central uh, New Jersey uh, since 2004. And um, we've been married now uh, 23 years. Uh, we were high school sweethearts. We met in high school at the age of 15 years old. We started dating at 16 years old. We got married at 19 years old. Okay? Um, we were not disciples. Uh, uh, we, we were married and then came into the kingdom. Uh, so that presented some challenges. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, but as I said... Um, uh, you know, we, uh, we have to lead the church in Central Jersey. We have two uh, kids. We have our daughter, uh, who's 22 years old. Her name is Amanda. Uh, she just uh, finished a uh, 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 bachelor's degree at, at Rutgers. She's headed off to go for a Ph.D. at Princeton University. And uh, we're excited about, uh, you know, just all the great things that God has done in her life. And our son, uh, uh, Justin, his name is Justin, but we call him Javi. That's his middle name. And uh, he, uh, he's uh, working, trying to figure out what exactly he wants to do. Uh, and uh, he's uh, also doing great. They're both disciples in our uh, home church in central uh, New Jersey. Uh, so they're 22 and 21 uh, years old. And, um, you know, uh, I was appointed an evangelist back in 2004. And uh, just this past year, uh, I, I was, uh, had the great honor of being appointed an elder uh, just last year. So this is what you say, wow, you're young. Yes, and, right? And, don't I really look young? Uh, I, but uh, we're, um, 
We're, yes, thank you. Whoever just said that, thank you. Yes. Uh, but um, we're excited to be able to uh, share with you guys today uh, just some of the things uh, that we've learned uh, over the years. And, um, you know, uh, when I think about the younger years of our kids, I, I definitely have some regrets. Uh, when I think back to the beginning, I do look back and wish that I had done some things differently. I wish I'd known some of the things I know now. I wish I would have known them uh, back then. Uh, parenting, if you haven't learned it already, you will learn this in a hurry. It is one of the most humbling endeavors you will ever take on in this life. Uh, every time you think you've got it figured out, what you figure out is that you don't have it figured out. And uh, a new challenge comes in a new stage in life, at a new age, and uh, it could be extremely, extremely humbling. But that's good because we need some humbling. We need to really rely on God and learn how to do that. And when we're being humbled, we uh, tend to turn to God, hopefully, so that we could draw strength and inspiration. And so uh, we do not have all the answers. So if you came here looking for all the right answers, I'm sorry you're in the wrong class. Uh, but uh, we hope to offer you some insights that we've learned uh, throughout the years, uh, that uh, through some of the things we did right, and through some of the things that we didn't do so right. And uh, we hope that uh, these are things that we wish we could have had a stronger foundation on in the very beginning, uh, but we hope to pass these along to you. And hopefully uh, they, will, uh, they will help you as you uh, to uh, continue to raise your children in the Lord. So I, I want to jump right into, obviously, something very uh, simple and foundational, but I think it needs to be said uh, before we go into some of the uh, deeper things that I want us to look at. Uh, and I want to specifically focus on Matthew chapter 7. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, many of us, we've read the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, this is towards the end. Uh, we're going to be reading specifically verses 24 to 27. And uh, this is Jesus speaking here, and he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet, it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, when you read this passage, it's great because Jesus gives them these incredibly challenging teachings leading up to this. And now he ends, he says, hey, listen, if you put this stuff into practice, if you didn't just listen to it, but you actually listen to it and then put it into practice, you will be building on a rock. You will be building on a solid foundation. And, and notice that it talks about when these storms come, you'll be able to stand up uh, uh, against it. And so, you know, the reason we want to really start with this, because if your foundation is not right, everything else you do is just not going to go very well. And so um, I want to start off 
We're simply saying this, build on the rock. We must build on a proper foundation. And the proper foundation is Jesus and His Word. Jesus and His Word. When we take in God's Word and put it into practice, we're building on the rock. So then, when the storms come, we stand strong because our foundation is on the rock. The reason this is important, you would think, okay, we're disciples. Obviously, we know we, this is what we need to do. But I want you to really stop and think, you know, we have to be careful that we don't build on the teachings of the world. You know, sometimes you can read a magazine or see an interview or read a, a, a secular book on parenting, and it gives you some great input that you think sounds like the greatest thing ever. But if it doesn't correlate with Scripture, you've got to be careful. And I've seen great-hearted Christians rely more on the teachings of the world than on the rock, the teachings of Jesus and his scriptures. And you know, we have what we need in the Bible to help us to be the type of parents that God wants us to be. We have what we, what we need in the scriptures to help us to really raise up our kids in the Lord. You know, sometimes disciples think by going and reading these other things, they're taking a more educated approach. Well, it's, that's called building on sand. We've got to make sure that we're building on the rock, that we're seeking to really build upon what Jesus taught through his scriptures. Now, you know, the obvious thing is when we choose worldly teachings over the scriptures. That's obvious. But I want to talk about something uh, briefly here. A little bit more subtle. I want to take a moment for a little bit of self-reflection. I want you to think about this. I want you to raise your hand if you feel like you were raised in an ideal home. You know, two parents, you know, you, you, and maybe, you know, uh, it was a loving, safe environment uh, that you just generally enjoyed your childhood. As you look back, man, that was ideal. Okay, and maybe your parents were disciples, maybe they weren't. Whatever the case, raise your hand if you, if you grew up in that type of, what you would consider an ideal environment. Okay, so we've got a, a few hands here. That's good. That's good. So, so that, that's a good thing to have. There was a large amount of hands that were not raised. And I'm going to address that for a second, and then I'll come back to those that did. Those that did... Uh, I'm sorry, let me just start there first. Were there any aspects, for those of you who did raise your hand, were there any aspects of that parenting that you completely disagreed with your parents and how they parented you? So it might have been ideal, but were there things that you said, nah, I'm not going to do that, that's just not good. Now raise your hand if you were one of those that raised your hand before about ideal. Raise your hand if there was something that you could look back and say, yeah, but I wouldn't do some of these things that I saw. Raise your hand now again. Okay, so we've got, we've got almost about the same amount of hands. All right, now let's talk about this for a second. Unfortunately, many of us did not come from an ideal household. I'm going to talk about that first, and then I'll come back to the ideal. Um, many of us come from very dysfunctional backgrounds. 
And um, unfortunately, what happens is we tend to overcompensate to correct things that maybe we experienced growing up. We almost never respond in a moderate way. If we experience something extreme, we usually seek to correct it with another extreme. And the reason we need to be aware of this is, this is what you bring to parenting. And if you're not careful, you could be building on those principles and not the Bible. It's the equivalent, you know, sometimes I, I recently got with a brother and I was explaining to him, you know, your dating life, you can't look at your dating life, well, it's better than what it used to be. No, the standard is Jesus. So I can't then decide, well, my standard would be the opposite of what I experienced. Or sometimes, and this is the part that's scary, sometimes there are things that we're just used to we don't even know it's unhealthy. And we go into parenting with it. And now we're passing it along, and we don't even realize this is unhealthy. This is why as parents, we always want to start with this. What do you bring to the table before anything even gets started? What do you bring from your childhood? Now, if you grew up in an ideal household, Understand that there are challenges, there are things that you saw that you might want to see different. But even if you can't even think of it, let's say you even grew up with just great disciple parents. They would never want themselves to be your standard. They would want Jesus to be the standard even in that. And see, this is a more subtle way. Most disciples don't decide, oh, I'm going to choose worldly teachings over the script. No one says that. Hopefully, if you're a disciple, you never say that. But on a much more subtle and even more dangerous way, sometimes our parenting is a series of reactions to certain things. And they happen without us even thinking about it. And those become extremely difficult. You know, Gloria and I, we were married in the world at 19 years old. No premarital counseling. We do premarital counseling for couples. We, we chuckle, man. We, we didn't get any of this. No premarital counseling. We were, we were 19 years old. We both came from dysfunctional families at best. We brought all of that into boom, now you're a parent. And now give to your parents, give to your kids what you yourself don't have. What you yourself have, has, hasn't experienced. And so, and we tried to do this in the world. You know, we became Christians, you know, a couple of years later when our kids were two and one. Thankfully, God blessed me with an amazing wife that was always looking for God. I was an atheist. I, I wanted no part of God. I used to make fun of my wife when she prayed. That's my background. So I didn't come into this with, oh, well, let's look at the scriptures for answers. No, I didn't believe in the scriptures. And yet today I stand here as an elder in the kingdom of God. And it's something for us to remember. It's never too late. And as long as you go back to the scriptures, God can do something well beyond anything you could ever dream or imagine. But you've got to be willing 
to go back to the scriptures. And sometimes you got to stop and say, okay, what am I bringing into this? You know, I, I'll share this really quickly. You know, when Gloria and I, you know, we were dating, I used to always have to hear her say, I love you. And I, I mean, I was, I was obnoxious about it, to be totally honest. I would always want to, I need to hear, I love you, I love you. And, you know, it wasn't until I was in my mid-30s, and I got a voicemail from my mom. She left me a voicemail. And in the voicemail, she says, oh, you know, tells me something. It says, okay, love you, bye. And it hit me. And this is going to really throw you off. It was the first time my entire life I heard my mom say, I love you. Now, I never doubted that my mother loved me. My mother loved me. I never doubted it. But I never heard the words. So I was projecting on my girlfriend and wife. I need to hear these words, but I didn't know I was working with a deficit. I needed to hear those words my whole life. And so I, project, I brought it into my marriage. Without even knowing, again, I was in my 30s before I even realized it. Now, you know, I say this, and I always want to qualify this. I don't, my mom loved me. I don't blame My mom was an orphan. This thing, she gave everything she had to me as a mom. She gave all that she could. And I, in turn, did, 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 have done the same. Just give everything I can. So I don't fault her for that. But I share that more to say, there are things that drive us, and we don't even know they're driving us. And it's important to take time to self-reflect. What do I bring? What do I have to be aware of? As I parent my children. What do I have to be aware of. As I seek to help my kids. Because we all have things. That are working underneath. Yeah. You know. Um, we, we're big fans. Of good enough parenting. If, if, if you've done that. It is incredible. If you haven't done that. I would encourage you to go to a workshop at some point. At the very least get the book. Uh, get your heart ready. Because you're going to realize how messed up you are. <laughs> Uh, but it's good. It's good to self-reflect and see, okay, uh, these are my life traps. This is what I'm coming into it with. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we did it when our kids were already teens. So when we saw it, we're like, yeah, well, we already life trapped them there. We did that. Yeah, we did that. And we got to see all that. But, you know, God still works. That's right. That's right. What you want to do is just learn. Learn about yourself and learn about what you bring in as a parent. It's so critical. It's scary. But you've got to be willing to do it. I appreciate so much what Matt Weber talked about. Sometimes we don't want to dig deep. Sometimes we don't want to find out. But you're really only limiting yourself and who you could be as a parent to your child. So really take time to self-reflect. You know, uh, we wish we could talk more about that. But I, I don't want to start it off before we even talk about some of the things that you could do for your children. I want to make sure that we understand that we've got to take some time to self-reflect. And this is what will help us to truly decide to build on the rock. And not build on some of those things that are underneath driving us. We're building on it. We're doing things as a parent. That, and we don't even know what's going on underneath. That's why it's so important for us to be able to do that. And so, obviously, you know, there are things that we do as parents... To hopefully teach our kids and train them in the Lord. 
But when we start with that self-reflection, it helps us to be on guard as we build, that we build wisely. And, you know, um, there's a, a concept there, 1 Corinthians 3, you can write this down. I'm not going to read the entire passage. I think most of us probably know the passage, have read it, uh, verses 5 through 15. And it talks about planting and watering. You know, it's addressing division in the church first. It's talking about, hey, you know, uh, don't worry about following uh, uh, people. You've got to, you know, people plant and water, but it's only God who makes it grow. And uh, the idea that you see in there is that we can all plant and water, but only God can make it grow. Uh, we, we teach this uh, to all of our leaders that our responsibility is to plant and water. We can't control growth. God controls growth. We can control planting and watering, and we will be rewarded according to our labor. That's what that passage says. And so we've got to understand that we've got to plant and water in the lives of our children. And this is not a, 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 a weekly thing. This is really for the rest of their lives. You know, we're covering up until preteen and young teen, but it doesn't end there. You know, it only gets more challenging as, as time goes. I won't overwhelm you with all that. But you've got to walk into it saying, okay, I've got to plant and I've got to water. And uh, Glory's going to come up and, and share a little bit about planting and watering. Amen. Okay. Amen. You guys, first of all, you look amazing. A lot of you have little children. You guys, you're up. You're, you're I mean, our children are 14 months apart. I remember praying, Father in heaven, if I can sleep more than four hours tonight, I would be so thankful. You guys look wonderful. This is great. You know, we don't have all the answers, but we serve a God who does. And the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1 verse 3 that we have all we need for life and godliness. It's in his word. And it starts early. And it is never too early to start. I remember reading God's word to my children when they were in my belly. You know, and this was before I became a Christian. There was just something that I just, I needed to read to them. Even before I knew the whole Bible, I would read the Psalms to them. And then when I became a Christian, it was so amazing when the sister started teaching me about Jesus. Oh, forget it then. And I've been reading and writing scriptures to them and helping them with the scriptures ever since. You know, something as simple as us reading to them when we're pregnant with them, singing the songs from our songbook. You know, when they're little, we can go to Bible class with them. I still love, um, we do the rotations at church. We have four rotations and I teach one of those rotations. I have to. I love it. I love it. That's how I catch up with the babies. I get my baby fixed that way. And I always encourage the young mommies, come to Bible class and learn the Bible songs and do these little devos with the little ones. And I encourage the dads to do the same thing. Come on up with your babies, learn the songs, and you can do this at home with the kids as they get older. You know, something I would do, I would write a little scripture in a little post-it note, a little card, and I would put it in their little lunch boxes. I, I know, up until they were in high school. 
to the point that my son would be like, okay, mom, could you please? Because I would write little hearts for them and little scriptures. You know, something like that. I worked outside the home for a while. And I remember how, you know, battling, some of us may work outside the home. And there's that guilt sometimes, like I wish I didn't have to work outside the home. Some of us may not have that option. We can still connect with our children and still read to them. I remember treasuring that time, that downtime, that nighttime, that ri those rituals were so special. I would read to them that bath time, then we'd read a Bible story. There's so many amazing Bibles out there for toddlers, preschool, school age. Those 20 minutes of just a little bath time, reading to them. I mean, those are special times. It goes by like this. I can't believe my daughter's going to be 23 in a week and my son will be 22 in September. Trust me, you blink, you miss it. We can't waste our time. The world likes to feed our children a lot, but we can feed them too. We can feed them the word of God. And we can influence them with God's word. You know, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 9. That's on us to do. That's what God tells us as parents to do. We've got to continue to influence our children with the word of God. I love that. You know, when Amanda headed out to college, one of the things that she did on her dorm room was she had um, a bunch of giant cardboard and she would write out God's word and she put it on her dorm and under it was just scriptures to fight different things, to make sure when she felt insecure, scriptures to fight it. When she felt attacked, scriptures to fight it. And I believe that was because Johnny and I would have scriptures at home, scriptures in her room for her and her brother, because we knew we were going to fight, but we had to fight with God's word. We can do this for our children. It starts when they're young, but it doesn't have to end there. Amen? Even when we're not physically with them, we can still influence our children. Amen? Amen. Mom, when you think about, uh, you know, these devotionals you do or when you share scripture, they have a cumulative effect. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, we didn't start build, giving the scriptures in our college years. It's all those times yeah. they build up. So every devotion you do, you might think, okay, well, we did it. Maybe they didn't pay attention. Maybe they lost. Keep doing it. Yeah. Because you're going to give something to build on. They're going to take little things from it. And you might find out years later, you might talk to your children and they'll remember a specific devotional that you weren't even sure if they were totally listening. But yet they will remember it and think back and say, oh, I remember this or I remember that. This is why we, from very early, keep feeding them the word. And you want to, we're going to talk about some strategic ways because sometimes there are ways that you could teach without even opening up the Bible so that as they get older, sometimes they get a little weirded out about that. But we'll talk more about that as we go. But it's so important from very early, get the word in their hearts. Read to them. Share with them. That's so, so important. But what we want to do is we want to talk about some ways that maybe you don't think of that really become seeds to their faith. And clearly, if you don't get the word in them, we're not even getting off the ground. But there's some other things as, as you get the word in them that helps the word come to life that are critical if you really want to help your kids to know God. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is the seeds of your marriage. 
Your marriage is absolutely critical to your kids. Your marriage is critical to their understanding of who God is. Your marriage is critical to your parenting. Your marriage is critical to them understanding God, His scriptures. If your marriage is not exemplary, they will read the scriptures and wonder what's going on. Unfortunately, over the years, you see sometimes where even the kids, they get to the teen years and they start studying, and if the marriage at home isn't great, they start to wonder, well, why do I really want this? Because that doesn't look very inspiring. Our marriages will say a lot about who God is. If our marriages are not where they need to be, if they're not different from the world, if they're not different from their friends at school, We're hurting their faith. We've got to make sure that we address our marriage. There will be seeds of faith put into their hearts through your marriage. This is why it's so important that we look at our marriages first and say, okay, how are we doing? Because let me tell you something. These kids, they'll know when something's up. They'll know who to play. They'll figure it out. Okay, yeah, this one's a nice one. If she says no, we'll go to him because he's a softy. Or vice versa. He always says no, I'll go to mom. They'll play you. You, as a married couple, must work together. You must be on point in your marriage if you really want to make an impact with your children. And, you know, we've seen kids over the years, how they grow up, and, and then they, they look back and they're like, wow, you know, I talked to, you know, some of my friends at school and, and the stuff that goes on with their parents, I, I just never heard of that. And it's because they've grown up in the church and they've grown up in a household where just the things of the world don't happen. These are an incredible blessing. You don't realize how critical they are to building the faith of your children. So we want to make sure that we talk about our marriages, that we're really addressing our marriages, because this will provide seeds of faith for your kids. Uh, Gloria's going to come on up and share a little bit more about that. Amen. You know, Johnny talked about, you know, just how we grew up. Johnny, I think I touched something. Okay. Just how we grew up and the, the effect that that has. I grew up in a very unsafe home, in a very abusive home. And so talk about what you bring into your marriage. Well, for me, I was going to grow up in a safe home one way or another. And before I was a Christian, I was going to make that home safe one way or another. There was no way I would ever be abused. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you, I became a Christian. But you can imagine when they sat down with me and they had to study the Christian wife with me. And they had to study all submission for me, with me. That was not an easy study, but thank you, Jesus, for your grace. You know... If you are here today and you are a single parent, I want to thank you. You are a hero in the faith to me. You are an absolute hero. Thank you. Please think about your marriages with Jesus. You are married to Jesus, and that's who you are married to, and I want to thank you. We'd like to address those of you who are married. And it is important, and that's who we're talking about. But I did want to mention that. Can you? Can everyone hear me? Uh-huh. Yes. 
And I think that, you know, when we have newborn children, we have little ones, you know, they need us literally for everything. They can't even move their heads, okay? They can't, their heads are too big for their bodies. So they literally need us. And it is an adjustment period. And just when you figured it out, and you kind of get in the hang of having one, then maybe another one comes along, and then for some of us more than two, and then, you know, you're getting used to things, right? But what can happen so easily is we can get used to the ch our children, the child being our center of the universe. That is not how things were meant to be. Children are amazing, and we get to parent with God as, as a center. And the children are a gift from the Lord. They're, that's wonderful. But what can happen is marriage can drop. Our marriage can drop on the list of to-dos. It becomes a to-do. Yeah. And this is something I have learned. First and foremost, my identity is in Christ. I am a daughter of the King. I am a disciple of Jesus. I am a Christian. Then I'm a wife. And then I'm a mama to two wonderful children. But that's the order. And when I get that order twisted, drama ensues. <laughs> Problems happen. My number one priority is my connection up here. Then over here, and then the children. When that's broken, the children pick up on that. And there's many problems. And guess who else picks up on that? The little, my sin on two legs, little, little children. Little children pick up on that. I've learned that through the years. Our children will pick it up before we do because children pick it up. They're very smart. And oftentimes we can neglect our marriage. And that's what I wanted to talk to us about. You know, as they get older, our marriage and our children, we have to make sure that we're keeping this in the back of our mind. And I know it's very difficult when they're little. I remember when they were so, so little, like I said, if I could just sleep three or four hours, I would be happy. Like that was the, that was like the high, like God, if I could just sleep, it's going to pass. It's for a season. It will get better. The number one thing, if we can just, God, if you can just help me stay connected to you so that I can be connected to my spouse, and then everything flows from there. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, some practicals that would help me, there's so much that our spouse can help us with. We have to let them. We have to let them. You know, they may not do things the same way that we would, and can I just say something? That's okay. Yeah. It's okay that they do things a little bit different. Sometimes they may even do it differently. There were things that Johnny would do with the kids that would be like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. But that's all right because he would do it even better. You know, this is the same man that you prayed about, that you fasted for, that you had your long list. He's the same man. Let him help you. You know, we've got to learn to build him up. Our children need to watch us build our husbands up. Be his number one fan, not his number one critic. Yes. Number one fan, not number one critic. Amen? Amen. We have to learn to be okay. I heard some brothers say amen. 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 You know, we've got to be okay with a little bit of a messy house. Things not being social media perfect, not blog perfect. You know, here's something that I'm still learning. Luke 10, 42, only one thing is needed. You know, we've got to learn to be okay with choosing present 
over perfect. With our spouse, with our children, we've got to learn choosing to be present over perfect all of the time. Only Jesus is perfect. You know, Mary of Bethany chose to be present with her Lord. And Jesus said, that's what I want. She's chosen what is better. And it was not taken away from her. We've got to learn that. That means we've got to be okay with things not being perfect. Amen? Amen. Husbands, I got some for you too. <laughs> Help her to catch up on rest. Amen. Help her to get... Amen, sister. I got you. Help her to get out of the house. Help her to connect with God. That's so important. Spend time with others outside the house. Lead the way in getting input. Engage at home, spiritually, emotionally. We love it, brothers. When you engage, it's just sexy. <laughs> it shows us that you care. She will thank you. And for the both of you, grace is needed for yourselves and for each other. These are just some of the seeds that you're building that will bear fruit. It is crucial that we connect with God and with one another. These are seeds that will bear fruit. Amen. 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 You know, um, marriage is so important. And again, this is where, you know, uh, I'll go back to what you bring in sometimes can be very challenging. You know, for me, I grew up. You know, just my dad was a, a provider, and he, he, he provided, and, and all the way up until my parents divorced when, when, when I was like 14 years old, I saw that he provided, and so I would, you know, my idea was, I'm coming to the, t I'm providing, this is what I'm doing, and yet we don't realize that that's just like a bare minimum, that's like a basic requirement, that there's so much more to it, but I never knew what that even looked like. So I needed to dig deeper and figure out, okay, what is it to be a husband and what is it to be a dad? You know, and I want to uh, share this uh, in terms of how critical your marriage could be. You know, when I was driving my daughter off to college and um, we, we, uh, she, was on, uh, she was getting ready to, to go off to school and, and I just knew she was going to learn a, bun a bunch of stuff. And I said, you know, you know you're going to learn things that might challenge your faith and, you know, I just want you to be prepared and, She's like, okay, well, like, what kind of things are you talking about? I said, well, you know, they kind of put down the idea of, like, submission and, you know, they're going to make you feel bad, if, you know, about wives and submission and that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're going to kind of really try to shoot that down. And, and we started to talk it through. And, and you know, i got to be honest with you, there's so many things my daughter has done that have made me so proud. None more than the day she got baptized. But let me tell you, what she said next was one of my most proudest moments as, as a dad and really one of my most proudest moments of my daughter. Because what she said next was, well, Dad, I'm not really worried about, you know, what they teach on submission because I've grown up in a house where I've seen it work. And I've seen you never, you know, you never were overbearing with mom. You respected mom. And my mom, you know, she taught me how to, you know, submit and still be able to, for you guys to help one another. It just helped. And so I know it works. So they could say whatever they want to say. I've lived it and I've seen it work. Let me tell you something. I, I've done messed up my kids quite a bit, but I felt proud in that moment. I said, thank you, Jesus. I did something right. We, we, we happened. This is where your marriage can really help your kids. So, so critical. 
Next thing we want to talk about, we want to move a little bit quicker here, is storms. Here's the reality. It's not going to be all peaches and cream. There are, unfortunately, there are storms ahead. This should not be breaking news to you. Jesus promised us, in this world, you will have trouble. We know that, and when we have it, the first thing we ask is, why am I in trouble? Why is this happening? God, why is this going on? But we know, part of living in this world is that you will have trouble. And there will be trouble, even with your kids. And the idea is not to panic at the first sign of trouble. This is part of living in this world. You know, as a parent, you want to take any kind of pain, any kind of struggle. I remember my, my son was being bullied in the fourth grade. I went to his lunch break so that I could stand by the gate and give fourth graders dirty looks for picking on my kid. That's what I did. Now, I'm not, that's not part of this class. This is, that's crazy, right? right? That's not what you should do. I'm just confessing that's what I did. I didn't want him to experience that. And, you know, what we've got to realize is we'd be so much better served to teach our kids on how to deal with trials, how to deal with storms, because they're coming. So instead of trying to take away as a parent, teach them how to deal with these storms. We've been through many storms with our kids. Uh, Glory's going to share a little bit about that. Amen. I'll try to move along quickly here. You know, sometimes you can see a storm coming and you can prepare, you can pray, get input. You know, school's coming, you can prepare, get some research. But what about the storms that come out of nowhere? Storms that you don't plan for. You know, those that we can't control. Those that you can't always fix, like a diagnosis that comes out of nowhere. You know, with our children, it's been some health challenges. Our son was diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of 12. No one in our family has seizure disorder. And there was nothing that we could do to prepare for this diagnosis. And his seizures have not always been easy to control. And if you've seen a seizure, they're scary. They're very scary. Talk about an unexpected storm that is so difficult to predict, let alone control. For someone like me, that I want things perfect, I want control, I have a bit of an issue with control at times, that's my sin, it's extremely difficult to let go and let God and entrusting God to Him. That's been really difficult. You know, our daughter battles anxiety and depression. I have prayed to God so many times, God, take this away and give it to me. One of the hardest things as a parent is to see our children suffer and to see them hurt and see them go through storms. But I have to tell you that we have also seen these storms help them in their personal walk with God. It's helped shape their characters and it has helped mold them into the adults that they're becoming. Our son Javi is tenacious and he is resilient. His attitude about grace and his conviction about heaven, it just, it shocks me sometimes. Our daughter is compassionate and she has such a heart for their marginalized, for people. It just moves me to tears. I've seen both our children wrestle in their faith and overcome with God's heart. They have persevered through storms. And these storms were crucial to both of them becoming disciples of Jesus. 
I will never forget asking Amanda when she was making the decision to become a disciple because she battles with her emotions. Are you sure you're ready to make Jesus Lord? Because you still, you're going to have good days and bad days with your emotions. And she looked at me and she said, Mommy, I'm going to battle my emotions, but I'd rather, I'd rather battle with God, with my emotions, than without Him. That's all we can ask of our children. You know, we've also learned lessons about our individual walk with God and each other. Our hearts and areas in our character that needed strengthening, areas we needed to repent of. You know, with God, suffering never has to go to waste. And we know that. That's one of the most amazing things about being disciples of Jesus. We know that. And when you read through the Gospels, Jesus is not afraid of storms. We know that through the Gospels. He, hand, he can handle our storms. They don't scare him, and they don't need to scare us. You know, it's been said, sometimes he calms the storms. Sometimes he calms his child in the storm. But most of all, he walks on the things that we are so tempted to drown in. Wow. He can handle our storms. Amen? Amen. You know, when we think about storms as a parent, you know, as Gloria mentioned, we, we often want to, we want to take them away. We want to take away the suffering. We want to take away the trials. And we don't realize we're, we're, we're trying to take away the very thing that God is trying to use to get them to heaven. And, and it's challenging. It's hard. You're going to shed tears. You're going to, it's going to be a struggle. But there's sometimes God is, is working on them. And, and in the moment, you don't see it. And then later on, you see it. You know, just two days ago, uh, we were coming up on Thursday. And it's 4 a.m., and our son woke up in the middle of the night. He had a kidney stone. We had to go to the ER, cancel coming up the first day. We, we made it up, you know, uh, uh, yesterday uh, morning. And, you know, we asked him, hey, do you want to come? Oh, yeah, I, I, I want to go. He's here. He's on painkillers. He's walking around. But he wanted to be here. It was his choice. And what we've seen is, is that he's grown so much resilient. He told us one day, he says, you know, every time I have a seizure... I don't like it, but I kind of feel like it makes me stronger. He's learned, even through that, to grow. And it's so incredible. Sorry, I'm about to sweat out of my eye for a second. Hold on. Let me get that, roll that back in. Um, those of you who know me, this is very normal for me, but don't get alarmed. Uh, but it is, it is incredible when you see those moments of pain, those moments of trial, and then you see God work. And you see them growing up. And you see them being transformed through them. So don't panic when you just see them up. One thing I want to say about storms too, sometimes I talk to parents, their kids get to the preteen, young teen stage, and they're not so interested in studying the Bible. Don't panic. They get crazy in those ages. I'm telling you, they're crazy. They get to those ages. You don't, I mean, it's, it can be rough. You know, our kids went through some crazy stuff during those years. It's okay. Don't panic. God will use even that time to really help them. You keep planting and watering, and you'll see God work. Um, uh, last point is here, community. You know, the church. This is what's so incredible about the church. Gloria mentioned single moms. His was so great. The church can cover up your mistakes. The church can fill in some of the blanks. The church can come to, this is what they, now listen, I want to make sure I say this, says the church leader, 
It is not the church's responsibility to convert your kids. That's your responsibility. That's what you signed up for when you decided to have a child. That's your responsibility. But the church can be a great help in that endeavor if you really use the resources around you properly. Community is how God plans on growing the church. You read Ephesians 4, he intends for every part to do its work so that we can mature and become the, the body of Christ. And so that's how God designed it for the church. And in the same way, the church could be a resource to strengthen your kids. There are things where we did not do well as parents that because we had great disciples around us, it really helped our children. It really helped them in their walk with God. Glory's going to share a couple things about that as well. Amen. You know, um, especially those of us with little ones, you may be thinking, I'm just thinking right now, maybe a play date, the last thing I'm thinking about are, you know, people in their lives. But it's never too late. It is never I mean, too early. Um, as young as four, Amanda had what she thought was a little discipling partner. And um, she would just get together. They would go to Starbucks and just have a hot cup, you know, a cup of hot cocoa and talk. But early on with both our children, they were comfortable with having people in their lives. But I have a question for you guys, and you guys want to ask yourselves this. Are you comfortable having people in your life? How do you feel about community? Because our children catch what we do. We can tell them all we want, but they catch what we do. Are you comfortable with people of all ages and all stages? Who do you have over in your house? Our children have conversations with people of all ages and stages, all backgrounds, because we do as well. That's just very important to us, and that was important for them throughout all different stages. So Amanda thought she was studying the Bible at 10-11. She was having character studies with people that we trusted. People, um, uh, young single people, single parents, and other uh, teen workers, people that we just, there were people in our lives, people that I had in my life that I trusted with them, and other parents. You know, our children had that double challenge because we led the church, the, that glass bowl existence, people would always look at them, I needed parents that could help me, especially that preteen stage, mm. teen stage. <laughs> that I can talk to other parents. Can you follow up with Javi or Amanda? Have this conversation with them. You don't have to tell me everything they tell you, but let's touch base. It's important that they have those relationships too, that they feel safe to talk to other parents. But it starts when they're little. It really does that they have these relationships. But how do you guys feel about community, about relationships? They've really helped our children especially when Javi was in the hospital. I'll never forget his first seizure. We had families meet us in the ER. Before we got there, we had some families meeting him. They met us there at the ER, his first seizure. That meant the world to us, that they were there. When Amanda has had her challenges to have people there as well to help us. Amen. You know, community is so important. And, you know, we've learned over the years that sometimes... The cool campus student could say the same exact thing that you said, but all of a sudden it makes sense 
to them when the cool campus student said it, but you, you know, even though you said the same exact thing, it's okay. I, I'll take it personal. Have at it. If that's what works, hey, brother, can you come talk to my son and tell him this exact thing? That's what I told him. And, and if it, were, it works, whatever. It's so critical. You know, even uh, parents, you know, I've talked about not knowing. You know, sometimes, uh, so one thing I've learned over the years is sometimes you tell people, like, connect with your kids and and, you know, I would yes you to death, you know, as a young parent, like, yeah, I, I want to connect, yeah. But, but what does that look like? What is that like? Sometimes we don't even know what that is. And if we've never seen it, we don't know. And I'll never forget, I studied the Bible, uh, you know, when I read, you know, the Bible from, from cover to cover before I even stepped foot to want to study the Bible. Um, you know, I sat down the first time with, uh, with the brother who led the church, and I told him, I said, look, hey, I, I'm going to hell. I know that already. This is the first time I sat down with him. Going to hell, just teach me how to be a disciple because I need to get right with God ASAP. So this is why I, I studied the Bible in four days. Because I knew by then, I had read the Bible, I knew, okay, I am lost, right? But the things I learned while he studied with me, I still remember today. And I'm going to give you one specific example. I remember being in the study, and his daughter was kind of acting up. And so I'm studying with him, and he, he's like, I could tell he's getting a little frustrated. So I'm like, okay, let's see how the preacher man handles it. <laughs> let's see, does, does the belt come out? Uh, a, a, a slipper, you know, my culture, the chancla, does that come out? Uh, does somebody's ear get pulled? Like, how does this work in this? I, I want to see how. And I was blown away because he got down on one knee. And he talked to his daughter in a calm way, and she got it like that. And I was like, you can do that? Like, this is possible? I had never, ever seen anything like that. The minister that said about me taught me how to tie a knot on a tie. All I knew was clip-ons growing up. Uh, we were too poor to have a whole tie. We had the clip-on. You know, we put the clip-on. These are, these are things that, again, I cherish. I remember this, and this is 21 years ago. I remember the studies, but I remember him disciplining his child and talking to his child. And then I remember doing it, and another parent coming to me and saying, Whoa, I've never seen that. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Before I became a disciple, I never did either. i just never seen it. This is why community is so important, because... You can say, hey, I want to connect, but what is connecting? You go to that healthy dad or healthy mom that you know is just doing a great job. How do you connect? Teach me. I don't know. I, don't, I want to, but I don't even know what that really looks like. Now, that takes some humility. That takes you being vulnerable. And it might be a little scary. But, but think about the benefit to you and your children just being able to do that. This is why it's so important that parents are involved with each other in a way that you could help each other with your kids. It's so gratifying when you can help one another as parents. We've got to be able to be community to really provide the best for our kids. And like I said, if they always have someone older to look up to that they think is cool, that adds an extra incentive to them. Oh, this is not just my corny parents who do this. Oh, these cool teens and these cool campus students are also really trying to follow Jesus. And, you know, um, I want to say this before I close out my final point, is this. You know, God 
tells us to plant and water. But it's he that makes it grow. And, you know, all you can control is the planting and watering part. Your child is going to have to make their own decision when they get to that age. That's their decision. You have zero control over it. God has to work. God causes it to grow. All we can do is control what we've been told we can control. And that's whether we're planting and watering. You might give to your kids and not see the response when you want it. But your job is to plant and water. We've seen kids become Christians as, as young teens. We've seen them become Christians just recently. A single mom who grew up in a church, uh, got remarried in the church, and her son got baptized as a 35-year-old man. Okay, sometimes it doesn't happen when you want it to happen. One of the scariest things I told my kids before they became Christians, I told them, listen, if you never study the Bible and become a disciple, I still love you and I will always love you no matter what. Now listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I was scared because I don't want them to not be disciples. But I wanted them to know my love was not conditional. Just like God's love is not conditional as well. And... Um, I, I, I'm going to skip this last part here and close out with this because I, I think this is really important for all of us. Um, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1 verse 6, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. There's a word there in the Greek, the all kinds of trials, uh, is, a, is poikilos. Peter only used this word twice. Okay, He used it in 1 Peter 1 verse 6. When he said all kinds of trials, and he used it in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, when he says grace in its various forms. I want you to go with this. If you combine these thoughts, you can really walk away with an incredible principle, and it's this. God has all kinds of grace for all kinds of trials. If the trials are health, of, of, of health are ahead, God has a grace for you. If the trials are ahead of because your child is being bullied or going through difficult circumstances at school, God has a grace for you. If your challenge is that your spouse is not cooperating and not where they need to be, God has a grace for you. God has a grace for everything that is ahead. He has a grace for every situation you will go through. Remember this. There was a time... Well, forget about me being a disciple, an evangelist, an elder. There was a time where I would make fun of my wife for praying. I would deny God. And here I stand today with two adult children who follow the Lord. Listen, we've had a challenging life, challenging upbringing, but God's grace comes through in amazing ways. Don't ever give up on your kids and don't ever forget God has a grace for you no matter what's going on. Thank you guys and God bless.